For as long as I've known the NBA, it's been a stars league. But even among the stars, there's an exclusive club. Russell, Dr. J, Jordan, Kobe. They're all part of a select group that paved the way for the NBA superstar of today. And some even shared secrets with each other along the way. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Jackie McMullen, and this is the Icons Club. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps. And your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Welcome to the latest edition of Weekends with Waz on the Ringer NBA podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazzy Lambray, and I'm joined by a very special guest, a person very near and dear to my heart, Sabrina Merchant of SB Nation. What's going on, Sabrina? I'm doing well. Just uh, happy to squeeze in some time for you during NCAA Sunday. I know. (laughs) Uh, Just for the listeners so that they can understand a little bit about you, Sabrina, um, I once threw a birthday party on the day of a Duke in North Carolina game. And I promise for the first hour of that party, Sabrina was glued to her telephone because she is a Dukie. She's an alum, obviously roots for the basketball team. I was just like, your dedication can't be this serious. I don't 10 understand years after the fact. <laughs> how you held a birthday party at a sports bar and I couldn't get the Duke Carolina game on a television at said sports bar. It was insane. Why well, should I have to be on my phone? Well, that day was about turning up and not about sports, but I do want to talk about why I brought you on here today because I had an idea earlier in the week that like we can just finally just bury the Lakers, just like have a funeral. It's over completely. They're done. Like they, they've said, we've packed up the season and I thought to myself, there'd be nobody I'd rather talk to about how disastrously this season has gone than you. And then, of course, we actually watched the Lakers game on Tuesday. Was it Tuesday or Monday? I think it was Monday. Monday against the Raptors, where they just got outclassed and just pantsed, basically. Um, And it was dope because that was the first time you and I had watched a game together since March of 2020, back when you were my game partner. 
Anytime we were at Clippers games, me and Sabrina would be watching games together. So I just like the synergy of that. Our first game watching since the pandemic started, Lakers season on the brink. Um, not even on the brink, it's just done. Uh, I did want to talk to you about it. Just how how do you feel about this season overall? I mean, it's an abject disaster. Like this is the most <laughs> not enjoyable Lakers season of my lifetime. Uh, I've had a lot of difficulty trying to figure out if it's better or worse than the Byron Scott Lakers seasons because those <laughs> came in with absolutely zero hope. But at the same time, like you were being coached by Byron Scott who just stood there on the sidelines with his hands crossed for the entirety of the game, no matter what happened. Like no, no attempt at trying to make things go better. Um, and these teams do have LeBron James. So mm-hmm. like that's something that the Lakers have going for them. But just from like the level of expectation to where we have arrived, I never thought it would get worse than the 12, 13 Lakers when, you know, Dwight was a disaster and Steve Nash broke his leg in the second game of the season. And then Kobe turns into Achilles. This is going to be fun. So now this is going to be fun Lakers. Yeah. Those, those Lakers. I never thought that it would get worse than that. And this is way worse than that season. Like it's not even close. I mean, I, I don't understand what people look for on this team in terms of enjoyment. Like I have a hard time picking out things that actually make me happy about the Lakers, which is saying something because I watched yeah. every game from like 14 to 17 when they were just trying to desperately save a lottery pick from the Steve Nash trade. So it's it's bad. Like there's just no way of getting around it. It's really, really bad. Um, the team sucks. They've tuned out the coach. He's going to get fired. Everyone's yeah. going to clean house in the off season and we're going to try to pretend like it never happened. You know, I think for me, the worst part about this Lakers season is that it was so avoidable. <laughs> like none of this had to happen. Like none of it. You didn't have to trade for Westbrook. You didn't have to let Caruso go. You didn't have to do this. And I think that's what's most disappointing about this is just how self-inflicted it all was. Yeah, I mean, I guess like if the Buddy Heald trade goes through that this is just like a conventionally bad Lakers team, you know, instead of a historically just make you want to gouge your eyes out bad Laker team. Uh, But I mean, like I just look at their DNP list on regular games and like this is the set of players who is supposed to save the team. Like how many times did we talk about Trevor Ariza at the start of the season? Like, (laughs) oh, you can't judge the Lakers until Trevor Ariza's back because he's the fulcrum that allows you to play LeBron and AD in small ball lineups. And Trevor Reese is not playing in games behind Wenyan Gabriel and Stanley Johnson, who were free agents to start the season. I mean, it's practically like an AARP list on their <laughs> DNPCD list. Like Avery Bradley, who like must be the illegitimate son of Frank Vogel for the amount of love he gets on this team. Like that they thought DeAndre Jordan would be capable of playing actual NBA minutes after what happened in Dallas and New York and Brooklyn. And to think that, oh, we're just going to get a rid of Marcus Gasol, who is like maybe the best center partner that LeBron James has ever had in his entire career for a guy who cannot play NBA basketball anymore is mind-boggling <laughs> to me. Uh, I mean, who, who else is on this list? Like Wayne Ellington's on this team. Uh, I, I, was, I was having this conversation with some other Laker fans earlier this week about like how they need to waive somebody so that Wenyan Gabriel is eligible to play in the play-in <laughs> game and just like, this is what we've come to that I'm thinking of who on this roster would I like to get rid of so that for one game against New Orleans in April, we can see Wenyan Gabriel play. And I have five legitimate candidates just ready to go. But like, why is this the conversation I'm having about the Lakers 
who entered the season as an NBA championship candidate. Like, I'm thinking, how can I get Wenyan Gabriel on my team for postseason <laughs> basketball? That is my most important priority as a Laker fan. And that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just so, so terrible. And you have pointed out to me on Monday, too, when the Wizards recently played the Lakers, um, Frank Vogel gave a hug to KCP. And it was as if, like, you know, back when I lived with a dog, like, if you spent a long time away from the dog, when you came home, the dog was absolutely excited to see you. That's what KCP and Frank Vogel did <laughs> at midcourt the other day when the Lakers played the Wizards. And I and I think the Vogel of it all is is kind of makes me feel bad because I think he did such an admirable job of building like one of legitimately one of the best defenses in the NBA. And they give him a roster that just is incongruent with legitimate. <laughs> NBA defensive play. And of course he gets scapegoated because the coach is the easiest guy to get rid of. Um, but, you know, I, I would love to get your sense of it because, you know, when I put it out on Twitter, I was like, people were killing Vogel. I'm like, yeah, he's going to get fired and whatever. You don't feel bad for him. His contract's fully guaranteed. He's made a decent amount of money in his career. He'll be fine. He won't be on the streets, right? Um, however, he didn't construct this roster in the offseason. How do you feel about what he's done with the team that was presented to him? Because I think a lot of people are like, well, he didn't do anything to adjust to the new paradigm. So I thought it was an interesting idea during the offseason. And I'm not going to try to defend the offseason, but like the Lakers have had a top three defense for the last two seasons. I think it was even top one during mm -hmm. that stretch when LeBron and AD were out last season, which is really yeah. impressive considering what the Lakers Montrez were working Montrez heavy minutes. Yeah, Montrez, it was crazy. Andre Drummond, you know, like Kyle Kuzma. These are the guys who are propping up a number one defense. And that's all Frank. And I thought it was a perfectly fine theory to say, hey, Frank, we know you can coach an elite defense. So we're going to yeah. bring in players who are a little bit worse on defense just to see if we can finally score. Because the idea mm -hmm. that a team with LeBron and Anthony Davis is struggling this much to score is a little ridiculous. So we're going to give you some more help on the offensive side of the ball and just trust you to still get things done defensively. And it has gone so poorly, just <laughs> tremendously poorly, that I think we've realized that, no, Frank Vogel cannot coach offense, no matter what type of personnel you give him. It's just not in the cards. Like, the man needs an mm. offensive coordinator. I'm sorry that you cheaped out on hiring Scotty Brooks, even though he's the one guy Russell Westbrook has ever played well for in his entire career. Wow. I'm sorry that you couldn't find any reasonable offensive coordinator to put next to Frank Vogel. And no, David Fisdale does not count. And no, promoting... Mike Penberthy, your shooting coach during the most disastrous shooting season you've had in the 21st century does not count either. Uh, you need an actual offensive coordinator. Uh, and they didn't do that. And so now we have a team that one, cannot play defense and two, cannot play offense. And lo and behold, that means they can't really play NBA basketball. But I mean, I don't think Frank is blameless in this either. Like, sure, it's, yeah. it's hard when your backup center option is Carmelo Anthony, but like, please go small more and play Stanley Johnson and Wendell Gabriel more instead of just letting, you know, Jalen Green go pick and roll on Melo for the entirety of a fourth quarter or even last night against the Wizards when they left Melo in for the entire fourth quarter. And like, I mean, or I'm sorry, when they were like switching Russell Westbrook onto Christoph Porzingis post-ups and saying, hey, let's provide some defensive resistance on the 7-3 guy with our six-foot-something point guard. Um, no, he's, he's not done the right moves to make this any better. Like the fact that Avery Bradley is still playing is a disaster. It's a joke. Um, the fact that like 
it took him until literally every center on the roster got hurt to like start playing small ball is yeah insane. It's I tough. Mean, In 2022, that's tough. That's tough. Especially when, again, like you said, dude, opening night when I knew we were in for a long season. I had a feeling after the opening night because he there, there was a point where he played Dwight, Westbrook, and Rondo for an extended stretch. And I was just like, there's no there's no theory for how this yeah. works. <laughs> this, and like, there this, are just like little things that none. have compounded since then. Like yeah. we're at this Raptors game, right? And he starts Malik Monk and Austin Reeves and is like, here, one of you is going to deal with Scotty Barnes. I don't particularly like, care which one it is. <laughs> one of you is going to have to deal with him. And Scotty Barnes is six foot eight and just walk into the rim for layups because these guys can't provide any resistance. Like Frank has to do something better about that. I know the roster doesn't yeah. give him a ton of solutions, but there are more solutions in what he has attempted to create over the past 70 some games. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for five dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man. I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. If 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 the listeners are noticing the trend, we're going down the list of people <laughs> that are to blame for the Lakers' downfall, of course, we have to get to Russell Westbrook, who, I like, I, I didn't, look, I, I, I thought, I don't know why, you know, and I was talking to Ben Golliver about this, I was like, I don't know why I thought Russ would do something different. I, I, I don't know why. I just, I don't know the power of LeBron, right? Like, I watched him turn J.R. Smith into, like, a real contributor on a championship level team where like he's making big plays and game sevens and shit. And, you know, I watched him get Tristan Thompson, damn near a hundred million dollars. I watched him turn month Williams into an all-star. Like I've watched LeBron do these, take on these projects and have great results throughout his entire career. And I was just like, look, Russ is, Russ is the guy that thought he was too good to pass the ball to KD. Granted, um, and he was indulged in that after KD 
left OKC, which was so horrible. He left the heartland. God forbid somebody leaves the prairie. Um, and so he's been indulged in his worst natures, right? That's what's been happening to him since KD left. Um, but I don't know why. I was like, uh, maybe Russ could change. But it's just been, no, it's been Russ doing what he tries to do within this ecosystem that is not built for him to succeed in that specific way. Uh, and it's just been, this is, I mean, like everybody, a lot of people, anybody who's like got any kind of NBA smarts, as soon as this trade went down, they were just like, how's Russ going to play with LeBron? Come on. Like he only, he only thrives with the ball in his hand and you don't want to take the ball out of LeBron's hands. Right. Um, and again, I can't say this enough. This has been an abject failure, but to you, what's been like the most disheartening or disappointing part of the Russ of it all? We go through this every year with LeBron James where he says he wants a playmaker. He wants someone else to be able to run offense during the regular season. I don't know why we fall for it every year. Like every (laughs) single season, these front offices just capitulate to him and say, okay, yeah, I'll bring in Isaiah Thomas. You know, I'm going to bring in Dennis Schroeder to help you out. I'm going to bring in Russell Westbrook (laughs) to help you out. When has it actually gotten to the point where this guy, who they bring in to do some playmaking, is the one handling the ball during the playoffs. It never happens. It never, ever happens. And even in the regular season, like we get to the point where, you know, right after the tip, Russ gets the ball. He gives it right to LeBron to start the half-court offense. Like he's not even running point guard in the regular season for the Lakers. Like what what was the theory behind that? I like, I, I'm a delusional Laker fan. Like I'll give you that. I, I talked myself into the Russell thing. I thought, hey, he's, He's from LA. He grew up rooting for the Lakers. Like he watched the Lakers on KCAL 9. Like, you know, the Lakers mean something to him. (laughs) He is going to try to make this work. And I just, there's no way for it to work. Like either he's the point guard, which means LeBron James is playing off the ball, which as much as he says he wants to do, he doesn't actually like to do. Like that's not the way LeBron James wants to play basketball. And so he's your backup point guard. That's great. LeBron James is playing 35 minutes a game. So he's your point guard for 13 minutes, which means you are paying $44 million for a guy who's going to be your 13-minute point guard. And that means you have to <laughs> say goodbye to your best perimeter defender in Alex Caruso because you were unwilling to pay luxury tax on him. And you had to say goodbye to your second best perimeter defender and Contavious Caldwell-Pope in the trade, along with Kyle Kuzma, who is your only wing defender on this roster because LeBron James doesn't do that during the regular season. It's just this ridiculous mismanagement of resources. Like to think that you're trying to win in the playoffs and you're acquiring what is objectively a regular season player at this point in Russell Westbrook's career. Like the man has not played after the first round of the playoffs since 2016 when Kevin Durant was in a good. I'm sorry, he played the second round in the bubble. I'm sorry, but the Lakers like the Lakers created the blueprint for how not to defend Russell Westbrook. Like they yes. showed him zero attention during that playoff series. You look at the God, screenshots that's not brought up enough from this Lakers Rockets the series, right? Yeah. Like they're playing, the Rockets are playing four on five because nobody is even in Russell Westbrook's vicinity. And the Lakers thought, oh yeah, we can make that guy work. You know how our <laughs> team was like criticized for not having enough shooting and spacing? We're going to bring in Russ and that's going to make it better for some reason. <laughs> Like, we saw it so cleanly. The Lakers obliterated the Rockets in that series. Like, James Harden gets his, you know, cushy little uh, fourth quarter points when they make those fake Mm -hmm. comebacks at the end. But, like, that was a destruction of the Rockets. Like, the Rockets tore apart their entire fabric. They reconstructed their entire team because of what happened in that playoff series. And the Lakers thought that they could take, what, the the third best player on that Rockets team and say, hey, yeah, we we can make this work. Yeah, that's... 
Yeah, you know what? I haven't thought about that enough, that they actually embarrassed us in the playoffs. The Lakers themselves, this core group, did that. And they said, no, let's bring that guy in. because that And, you know, forfeit tangible assets. Like, mm -hmm. so the first person that ever turned me on to KCP is like, this guy might be something, is my boy Ethan um, Sherwood Strauss. Back when he was covering the, the Warriors for... ESPN and he was just like look like the only guy I've seen like just straight up stay connected with Steph on all of the crazy off ball shit that he's doing ever is KCP so because like you know this is when the Warriors first started doing their stuff and it's right. like this is the only guy I've ever seen do this and then of course you know S Sabrina was the first version because <laughs> I'm not gonna lie I kind of had a KCP aversion I was just like come on what does this guy do he's a shooting guard who rarely shoots has no handle like what are we doing with this guy and Sabrina was like no like actually Kenny's really good. Um, also the first person I ever heard call him Kenny, which I then adopted and now call him Kenny all the time. As it just if sounds way better. It just sounds like a, a loving relationship yeah. between me and Casey. As, as if he's my own family member. But lo and behold, you guys were right. Like what he provided on defense, man, like always in the passing lanes, could reliably guard those jittery runaround screen, Devin Booker, you know, Steph Curry type of guys reliably guarded those guys. And man, LeBron loved to find him, man. Like, you know, like when the, the, the weather vein for the Lakers was, is Kenny, not is he making threes, is he taking them? If KCP was taking a decent amount of threes, you know the Lakers offense was in good shape. And so, yeah, they let that guy go. Everybody drink at home. Still can't believe they let Alex Caruso call. <laughs> I still can't believe that shit. And then, like you said, Kuzma, who had turned himself into a nice lunch pail type of guy, like basically a scrappy-ass role player who will guard all of your wings, crash the boards, great cutter, made threes at a decent enough reliable clip that he could stay on the floor. And, yeah, they said, um, let's do that for Russ. And you talk about the management of the roster – what are they going to do in the offseason? Like, what are they doing? And do you have any confidence <laughs> that Rob Palenka is going to do it in a way that makes any type of fucking sense? So I think step one is you trade Russell Westbrook. And if that means you have to package the 2027 first rounder and maybe even the 2029 first rounder, you do it because it's wow. just not feasible to keep to, him on this roster. Yeah. It's just not. Like, the the vibes are so bad. Nobody likes playing for this team. I mean, Russell Westbrook pours his heart out about how difficult this season has been for him emotionally. And LeBron is zero to say about it. LeBron who immediately attacks Anthony Davis on Twitter when Devontae Adams gets traded from the Green Bay Packers so he can troll Anthony Davis. The most online superstar has nothing to say about Russell Westbrook's emotional struggle. Because that is how little they care about each other. Like, this team just hates each other. And unfortunately, the easiest thing to do, or not easiest, but like this, the number one thing you have to do because he is, unfortunately, the root of all the problems here is Russell Westbrook. You got to get rid of him. Mm. Um, maybe like you can turn that into, if you incentivize it with a couple picks, you get like an Eric Gordon back or something. And that's mm. a player who makes a lot of sense next to LeBron James. Um, then you've got your mini mid-level, which I worry that they're just going to use to re-sign Malik Monk. And, among the, the very few things that have been fun about the Lakers this season, like Malik Bunk has been fun. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure he's good. Like I still yeah. haven't gotten there yet. Like he spent four years on a very bad Charlotte team and now he is putting up stats on a very bad Lakers team. So mm -hmm. like 
don't don't break the bank trying to bring this guy back just because you've got the the Arkansas connection with him and Austin Reeves. Like it's not worth it. I don't think it is. Uh, so yeah, you, you've got that mini mid level to maybe use on some other forward type guy to play next to LeBron and AD. And then, I don't know, just get some bargain basement point guard like an Ish Smith or like keep DJ Augustin or something because you don't actually need a playmaker to play next to LeBron James. Like spoiler alert, that's not the key to building a team with LeBron James. Um, or maybe, I don't know, maybe Rondo will be back next off season. Like that'll be fun. He just loves coming back to the Lakers over and over again. <laughs> yeah, just the idea that you have to package Russ with two f- future firsts. Maybe just the two firsts to get Gordon or something with it. You know, like to get right. an actual contributing to player get some, So the first to get him off your books and then the right. second first to get an actual asset in return, right. which, yeah, it sounds smart. Um, I just don't think... Like, Rob Palenka, for whatever reason, just... He's kind of an anonymous GM. In a sense, like, not everybody's going to be Daryl Morey, mm-hmm. who's basically like Colin Cowherd at this point, as the, the amount of media that he does. But you don't really hear from Palinka much, which I think is smart on his part because he's done some pretty stupid shit in, in the recent years. So I wonder how, on what kind of sort of footing he is with the team. And, you know, I just wonder what he's going to do because I find this all to be fascinating. Yeah, I mean, is he even the one making decisions in the Lakers front office or is it some mm. like cohort of Kurt Linda and Kurt wife. Rambis? And, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I It's a little bit of a bummer that Rob is not more vocal because he was so funny in the things that he used to say. And I think we just, we made too much fun of him and that's really what's happened. Like he's protecting <laughs> his ego a little bit. I mean, when he compared signing KCP to the book of Genesis and Nana <laughs> from heaven... I don't know that any general manager moment is ever going to compare to that. Like, and KCP. This is the, this is the, we're, we're the Kenny fan club here. I know. And it's like, bro, what? I would have paid so much money for the Lakers to include that clip in KCP's welcome back video, you know, when the Wizards came to play. Yeah. That they did not is just another sign of organizational malpractice <laughs> on behalf of the Lakers. Like, what are you doing? So, yeah, we can, you know, it's funny. We spent zero time talking about AD and his terrible injuries and whatever. Um, I'm not going to lie. I've been disappointed in AD this season. I thought he was going to come back and, like, play really hard and, and, like, show people, like, no, I'm actually one of the most serious players in this league at my position. And he did the opposite. He kind of loafed around all season and, you know, whatever. I think AD saw that the team sucked. And he was just like, yeah, well, it I get sucks paid either because way because he sucks. Like, right, that's a big part of it. Yeah, and and he mailed it in. It feels like he mailed the season in, which is disappointing, man. Because when he's right, he's one of the most fun guys to watch, and he's you know he's making an impact all over the floor, and he just hasn't done that. So we'll see what happens this off season. I'm just interested to see how like you know because LeBron is not a Laker lifer, neither is AD, right? So you wonder like when when shit went went south at the end of the Kobe years, it kind of, there was this feeling like that it didn't matter because it's like Mm -hmm. Kobe's a lifer. There's no, there's no, there's nothing to really discuss here. Like everybody's understands like we're not getting rid of Kobe. Kobe's not going to try to leave. Yes. His contract is God awful, but this is kind of what it is. And we're moving on. It's a little different proposition when the two main guys aren't these lifelong Lakers. Like they weren't drafted by the team. They aren't these they're seen as sort of mercenaries more so than, you know, 
tried and true, died in the wool Lakers. So I'll be interested to watch how that goes in the offseason. But I want to get you out of here on a Duke note. Um, again, one of the biggest Dukies in my life. I tweeted the other day that 13-year-old me would be disgusted by the amount of Dukies I now call personal friends. Um, <laughs> how has Coach K's last season been for you? Um, are you like a Coach K like person or are you just like, he's somebody we deal with. He built the program, so we deal with him, but whatever. I mean, Duke is kind of cool now, Waz. I think you have to admit, like, J.J. Reddick is, like, the most lovable media personality. And okay. this is J.J. Right. Reddick. Can you imagine 15 years ago thinking that J.J. Reddick would be likable? I love And not show. just likable, yeah. but lovable? This, yeah. is, this is what Duke has turned into. Like, everybody wants to be Kyrie Irving, like, pre-vaccination, obviously. Uh, <laughs> like, Jason Tatum, you know, Brandon Ingram, all of these lovable stars in the league. Like, yeah. This is this is a nice little image change that Coach K has created ever since yeah, being the be USA basketball coach. Some Grayson Allen's though. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not a good look for us. It's really not. I mean, even JJ was clouding Grayson Allen on his latest podcast, which <laughs> you never want that friendly fire. Uh, that was a bit of a bummer. Uh, no, I, I'm not like a Coach K acolyte by any means. I mean, like I also hate the stall offense that Duke runs at the very end of every single tournament game. I mean. The fact that we couldn't get the ball to Zion at the end of the Michigan State game in 2019 to get to the Final <laughs> Four when Duke would have actually wrecked Virginia in that Final Four. I just still haven't gotten over that one. I mean, we lost to to Sandarius Thornwell and P.J. Dozier in South Carolina with the Jason Tatum, Luke Kennard, like Harry Giles team. Like, wh why is that happening? Uh, I, I'm not like bowing at the altar of Mike Krzyzewski by any means, but like in terms of how college coaches go, like, he's not so bad, right? Like, he's built yeah. a pretty damn good program here. I got a national title when I was in school, one since then. Like, uh, there's there's a lot of good that comes from the Coach Krzyzewski experience, but uh, it'll be interesting to see him move on because it's just, it's time for something new. Absolutely. Well, I will say this. I'm rooting against you guys today. Uh, the game it's is... It's unnecessary-wise. Like, the there's nobody is... in your life who cares about Michigan State. That's fair. Think, think about how much happier I would be if Duke won today. How That's much happier... Fair. Like, you just need more Coach Kick content, honestly. Like, him losing in the first weekend is no fun. It's really yeah. not. You need some grander stage for him to exit on. Yes, you're right. I, I do love you dearly, and I do like when you're happy. But man, watching Coach K get embarrassed. Can you name is... a player on this Michigan State team? Was like it's, no, it's unnecessary. Come on, yeah. I don't watch college fucking basketball. People want Paolo to keep playing. All right, Paolo's cool. Oh. AJ Griffin's cool. You know, this, this is this is a good Duke team. Like people, you're gonna find yourself unwillingly wanting like Mark Williams to do good things at the next level. I guarantee you. All right, you heard it here first. Uh, this Duke team is fun. Duke is now cool. <laughs> Sabrina, you are the coolest. Thank you for doing this. Um, I really appreciate it. I've been wanting to get you on here for a while, and I just thought this was the perfect opportunity, and I'm happy that we did this. So tell the people where they can find you and your work, because you're one of the sharpest minds in fucking sports media. So tell them where they can find your stuff. Yeah, so I cover uh, mostly women's basketball right now for SB Nation. Uh, and you can find me on social at Sabrina JM. All right, there you go. That's our show for today. We'll see you guys next weekend. I'm out of here. Peace. <laughs>